Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ooh, welcome back, sports fans, to another episode of the Charity Stripe Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one sports podcast network in Los Angeles. For those listening at home, on the road, in the air, or in the water... Do you believe we have a great show for you guys today? Scott Kaplan, the voice of San Diego sports for the past two decades, joins the boys. You know him. You love him. So buckle up. Tuck it into your waistband because here we go. Three, two, one. We're back. We sitting here. I'm supposed to be the franchise player. And we in here talking about practice. Back, baby. It's the charity stripe. Pitcher free throws because they are free. So 239 coming hot at you guys. And so 238. And I'm flanked on my right by defensive coordinator Alex Toss Me the Rock Tosopoulos. Offensive coordinator Nikki Snacks. Is at home at quarantine, but he joins the boys for the interview. And the interview, yes, Scott Cap, when you heard it in the introduction, I don't even think that did it justice. He also has been a CBS sideline reporter for a number of years and has reported all across the NFL, which is awesome and he's also the founder and head of sided.co which is a great website that everyone should go check out um so yeah without further ado i think we should just jump on into the interview with scott kaplan enjoy guys all right guys you heard it in the introduction we have the voice of san diego sports yes the all-time voice of san diego sports no i'm not talking about nikki snacks i'm talking about the scott (laughs) kaplan joining the boys scott how you doing today man gentlemen what a pleasure to be with you guys i'm looking on the screen just real quick and i see three very young talented dudes okay I've, I've watched a bunch of these podcasts. I loved your most recent podcast that I saw with Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, thanks, man. But I'm, I'm looking and I'm going, you know what? Nobody knows that I could be these dudes' fathers, man. No freaking way, dude. I'm looking young. <laughs> I'm looking healthy. Okay? I'm You look good. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm saying. Down. I'm good, man. I'm good. Yeah, you're lucky. I would I would You've I would You got s- the best setup, that's for sure. Yeah, your setup is, <laughs> our setup yeah, your setup is sweet. We've all had to Alex, Nick and I usually uh, obviously record together in the studio. But now it's just me. Toss is in his room, and then Nick's just like you know Wi-Fi settings because our Wi-Fi. We have peasant Wi-Fi over here in Los Angeles. <laughs> I understand? Yeah, yeah they man. live together. We so do they, live together. And then Nick is over in his little place. But Nick's like got a little nice setup for himself over there. You yeah. put you put it together. He had it for a Diamond Dallas Page. He had like a little WWE belt that he put up above his hats. It was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like notice it till later on. Um, but yeah, man, Scott, totally. You know what, Nick? You've been like a total hidden gem, I guess. Because, I mean, I grew up in I grew up in New York, right? Uh, Toss grew up in, in Dallas. And then Nick, you know, grew up in San Diego. They moved to Texas, but he grew up. He's a San Diego native. And anybody that listens to, to our show knows that Nick is the most blind San Diego fan in the history of fans. Um, the minute you were... As they all are. Yeah, the minute you, right. you... Yeah, I kind of have to be, I guess, over there. The minute your name was brought up in our, in our ether that uh, Nick's eyes really lit up and it kind of give me, gave me privy before we looked into you to what kind of, you know, voice and, you know, kind of presence you have for San Diego sports. And so my biggest question is how do you get started? How do you, how did you work your way up to, because you've had such a great career. So how did you find your way into radio? I know you were a football player at Pitt, but where do we go from playing football at Pitt to Pittsburgh, very underrated city, by the way, uh, to, yeah, to going to San Diego and becoming one of the voices of sports there. 
Well, first of all, thanks for all of that. And and Nick, thank you. I, when we all first connected, I remember Nick saying to me, dude, me and my dad used to drive to school every day and I would listen to you, you know? <laughs> and it, it always cracks me up when people tell me that, that when they were 11 or 12 years old and now they're 25 or 30, they're like, yeah, dude, I listened to you growing up all the way through school. And I'm like, damn, that happened fast. That's a lot of time. And it happened really fast or so it seemed to me. Um, I went from playing football at the University of Pittsburgh and I wanted to be a, a TV sportscaster. That's what I thought I wanted to be. And I went to work for a television station in Pittsburgh as I was trying to bounce around the NFL as an un undrafted free agent kicker. And I was sitting um, at night and I would take the I would take a script and I'd put it in a teleprompter and I'd work on it and I'd, I'd, I'd record all of this. And then I just, I hated it. It was boring. It was so boring. You know, here's the uh, Barry Bonds hit a two-run home run tonight. Bobby Bonilla hit a two-run RBI. You know, the Steelers beat the, back then, Houston Oilers. You know, Warren Booth <laughs> threw two interceptions. And I'm like, this sucks. But at the time, when I was just fresh out of college, Howard Stern was really, really ramping up. And yeah. he had his show on E. And so um, I started watching Howard and thinking, my goodness, you know, I feel like, if I did what he does with sports, I could do that. And this is kind of the early days of sports radio. So to make kind of a long story short, I got very lucky in, in my mid twenties, I went to work for a company called CBS Sportsline, which is now cbssports.com. It was a startup back then and they wanted to do online radio. So online radio was supposed to go out to the internet and bring people to the website. And dude, there were like four people listening. Hey, the dude at Oklahoma State University, cause we had people's like IP addresses, you know? <laughs> And, and so, hey, dude, call. And so that um, that internet radio, that first internet radio turned into CBS Sportsline, expanding it to their other properties, which had radio. And before I knew it, my partner and I were in New York City um, doing a morning show on WNEW. It didn't last very long because things didn't, we were kind of in the wrong place at the wrong time. But then San Diego came calling and I was very lucky. I had been a free agent, undrafted kicker in the early 90s with the Chargers. And so I had known San Diego and I loved San Diego. And as soon as I had this opportunity to come to San Diego and work with a guy who was a Chargers legend, a guy named Billy Ray Smith, I said, I got to go take that job. So I moved my, my wife at the time, divorced, my son at the time who was just born, now is 19, almost 20. And I moved across the country to San Diego. And, you know, I really didn't think I'd be in San Diego very long, truth be told. I thought I'd hurry up and go from New York to San Diego. I'll get to L.A. right away. I thought I can live in San Diego. My show will be aired in LA and I never thought I'd be in San Diego. Here I am now 20 years and it's been just a phenomenal, incredible run. I can't even, I still can't believe it's taken 20 years, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. that You just kind of pick up and go. I mean, the notion of picking up and go is wild. Like I said, 20, 25 years old now. I mean, I, I was listening to you when I was probably five or six years old and, and still here. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's And it's also good to know that the chargers kicking woes started with you. That's where the that's where the issues started with we're with you, Scott. The can you just talk about a bit like for what it's like for you? Because we all did it. We all picked up and left. Like Nick, Nick picked up. Like I will say this: I probably had one of the. We're all actors, yeah. We do the podcast. Work for Believe. We're all actors on the side. I probably had the easiest trajectory to come out here because I was a part of a program, you know, that sent me out to Los Angeles. Nick pretty much picked up and you know, left and left Austin and, and went to be an actor. Right. Alex is in the film industry. Um, and now he's an actor as well. Just, he's like, all right, I, I could, yeah, these two fools are doing it. Probably. I don't know what his mindset was, but the look on his face was like, these two idiots are doing it. I could probably, probably rip this as well. And now lo and behold, we're here. A lot of encouragement from you guys. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, we are. We we're, yeah, dude, that's like that. We blindly push, you know, that's exactly blindly push him down the ledge or up the, or up the ladder. We'll see how it goes. Um, but can you talk a little bit about what the feeling was like to kind of pick up and move i know you said you thought you'd get to la um but what's it like to kind of pick up and move a family just to be like okay you know, like hey we're doing this yeah you know you guys um you're in a, a really interesting time in your life and i would just tell you guys have as much fun as you can right now because when you get married and when you have kids life just changes drastically and you know instead of it just being about fun and going out to a bar and you know, maybe a girlfriend or buddies, whatever. I'm telling you, like life, when, when you have to feed other people and take care of people other than yourself, man, it just, it all changes. 
Um, for me back then, I was still a very young guy. I was in my early 30s. I think it was 30 or 31 years old. And, um, you know, sometimes in life, you just got to take a risk, you know, and I didn't know that back then. And this is 20 years later of mm -hmm. a little bit of wisdom learned. But, you know, you look at Tom Brady right now. Tom Brady could retire as the GOAT. But instead, he's willing to take the risk, not to go from New England to L.A., you know, to go from New England to Tampa Bay, that one of the dregs of the NFL, you know, it's a yeah. huge, huge risk. And people say, no, it's no risk because Brady wants to prove that he can do it on his own. Dude, when you go to a, an organization like the Patriots, top notch, no amount of money means anything to them to Tampa Bay, where they don't have any of the stuff you've got to prepare you up in New England, that's a monster risk. And, you know, for me back then, it was a big, big risk. My my um, wife and her family, all from New Jersey, we lived in New York City. My parents lived in Florida. I was an East Coast guy my whole life. And to pick up and move cross country to get a job, and that's what I did. I moved for a job. What happened is I moved for a job, and then the job became part of my life. You know, I was involved in business. I was involved in philanthropy. I was a part of the community. And um, and then, you know, you, you just open your eyes one day and you're like, holy, I mean, I can't believe it, dude. 20 years later, I'm still here, still, still standing in this industry. And so um, it was a big risk back then. But sometimes, you know, you got to just make a decision. Like, I'm going to just go for it. Now's the time to be going for it. Like right now, gosh, dude, I would do anything to be in my mid-20s and say, yeah, I'm an actor. Because I thought I was going to be an actor, too. I wanted to be an actor. You know, I, I still want to be an actor. I still want to be in a movie, you know. Um, but uh, you got to just got to be willing to take a risk. Yeah. I mean, it's would you consider yourself in some sort of way than like an adrenaline junkie in a sense? Because I feel like I guess the three of us could kind of jump in that realm as well, because if it doesn't feel like we're risking anything, then I almost, I'm, I'm almost like inclined not to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. If there's not a lot yeah. on the line, then it's like I'm not I'm not into it. You know, yeah, yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, it was just funny you mentioned this. And just this morning, um, I'm on the phone with a guy who is a part of my my business now. We, you know, talk about that a little bit later. But um, I was saying to him, we're in this race. You know, we're in this race against time. There's time. There's money. There's product development. There's all these things, and it and it's a big race. And you you thrive on the adrenaline. You thrive on the pressure. You know, I can remember you talk about, you know, being a field goal kicker in high school. The first time I ever went onto the field to kick a field goal, mm -hmm. I honestly was going to throw up. I mean, I couldn't the 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 stress and the anxiety um, and the fear was was overwhelming, you know, and it, it physically I could kick the ball, but emotionally I couldn't concentrate. And then it took a few times. And then four or five times you get on the field and now you're going, okay, now it's starting to feel like practice. Now it's starting to feel comfortable. And then you get into that situation where it's game winning time. You know, it's, it's, Hey, pressure is on. Um, you've, you've experienced it. You've gone through it. You've battled through your fears. Um, so, you know, it's, um, it's just, for me, I've always kind of wanted that pressure in a weird way. You know, yeah, even totally, since I was a kid. Totally. I mean, it's kind of the most nerve wracking, you know, job in all of sports is to kick a football, you know, through the uprights in the NFL. And yeah, but that job sucks. They, they have the skull to do it and they have the brains and the, the courage to do it. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's it's such an emotional um, and, and it's such a mental position, you know, because you're by yourself. You're yeah. out there on your own. You make it great. You miss it. You're You're screwed and everybody knows it. And, um, and it, it is a, it can be a very lonely position and it can be a very exciting position. But I guess for me, what I've found is it's, it's very metaphorical. You know, I always, I always use um, Iron Man. You guys know the sport of Iron Man? Okay. When I was 40 years old, I decided, you know what? I'm going to do that. I've seen that on TV my whole life. And I don't know why. I don't know why. But for some reason, I actually think I can do that. Yeah. You know, 99.9% .9 of people go, Iron Man swim this much and bike that much and then run a marathon you can't do that and most people just don't think they can do it and i was like i don't know why but for some reason i think i can do that and so i decided at 40 years old i was going to do something epic and i somehow kind of finagled my way into the iron man world championship people qualify for this i kind of talked my way into it and then i stood there at the finish line with my arms raised i did this um and and i always look at that as 
you just put one foot in front of the other. You just never stop. You, the finish line is the goal and you're not going to stop till you get there. And that's just, that's the way this thing is wired right here. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. In the Iron Man, my aunt does it. It's, I don't understand it. You know, <laughs> I don't get it either. But at the same time, we were sitting at the park. I turned to Nick's roommate, our other buddy. I was like, you bike a lot. I bike a lot. I, we also run a lot. All we have to do is add the swimming element. Fuck it. Like when this thing's up, let's rip a triathlon. I think we could start yeah. there. I think we could. I think it just you kind of just kind of give a push. Um, but you mentioned the you mentioned two things I want to bring up. One, you mentioned the little business you got going on, and that's something we partner with you guys. We could talk more about that later. But might as well give it a quick little plug ski now. Uh, that's yeah. Sided.co. We have a joint giveaway with you guys right now. Michael Jordan Fathead, and I know I'm looking around our place, and there's a lot of bare walls, and we could definitely. <laughs> Use some decoration. Sided.co is great. I, what I really love about Sided, man, is that, he, I mean, we do polls. We, we're like pretty well known for our polls on our Instagram. We have a few hundreds of people that do it every day consistently. Yeah, I love them. And there's, all, there's a lot of people that come on to and DM us and try to engage more you know, and want that further engagement. And we love that. We're open to that. Um, Sida just has that. It invites you to do that. It allows you to do that. There's no permission to kind of jump into someone's DMs and hope they answer you like, like you yeah, do with us. Yeah, it's not us. behind closed doors. It's no. not behind closed doors, which is the great part about it. When we first talked, you guys brought up, and I thought, mm -hmm. I said, gosh, these guys, I'm so thankful for you guys because you guys got it from the beginning, which is it's building a community. Yeah. You've sure. built a community on Instagram. People come to Instagram because they know that the charity stripe has really cool, funny things. Like, I'm, I'm confused by a lot of it because I'm like, gosh, who had a higher upside? You know, was it Antonio Gates or was it Kevin Garnett? Gosh, I got to really think about this. These are two legendary players but wow they come from different sports and they play different positions and they played in different markets you guys do a lot of very thought-provoking things and when i'm as your follower on instagram when you guys put out something i'm like is it this or is it that gosh i don't know and then when i see you guys posting content like that on sided i'm like okay if i vote on this if i vote for antonio gates rather than kevin garnett how am i going to defend that side man yeah it's Gates versus Garnett. I mean, I'm just using that as an example. That's a tough one. We do it on. Uh, we do it every Sunday. Any, anything that's cross sport, it's like really, really. How can you win that argument? You like, can't. You, you can't. So that's what the that's the best part about it, right? Is it just becomes this argument where people are pitching for the guy that they like the best or whoever it is. Now I think a better argument would be if you flip them in their sports. Like if Kevin Garnett went to the football field and Antonio gets to the basketball field. <laughs> I mean, Antonio, Antonio Gates played basketball. Played Kent State. That's a good point. Yeah. So I'd, I'd take him. Yeah. yeah what, I what I love about what you just said, though, is that is that you can't win that debate, which is kind of a funny part because, you know, when you're on Twitter, for example, yeah. and you get into it with somebody or Facebook for that matter, and I'm guessing you guys probably don't use Facebook, but if you're on those platforms and people get into it with one another, it goes comment, 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 comment. Everybody's commenting down. Crazy. Nobody ever wins anything that we've built is is here's the debates side by side and then ultimately the clock strikes zero because we're all sports fans and when the clock strikes zero there's a winning side there's a losing side and whoever whoever is on the winning side with the most votes they are the winner they move up the leaderboard and i don't know about you guys but during this quarantine time i find that people are sitting around they're looking for stimulation when you give somebody a 25 dollars amazon gift card because they won a debate competition over the course of a week or they voted the most um, they've achieved the most points and a $25 Amazon gift card shows up in their email box on Monday morning. They're like, dude, that's free toilet paper. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so yeah. so I, I, I love it. I love the competition angle and I love what you're saying about, you know, you can't win. Well, somebody's going to win and somebody's going to lose in, in this particular environment. Yeah, no, I think it's, I, I really, I've started to delve into it um, and just kind of, yeah, transfer our stuff over there, but I've been privy to seeing how well it works and seeing people get into it and the potential of it. So I think it's great and everyone listening should go check it out if you haven't already. Um, but you did bring up another point earlier about nerves and your first time being nervous about going to kick. Was there that level of nerves the first time you were about to jump on the mic? Because I feel, I don't know about you guys, I don't know about you and uh, Toss and Nick, I, we've, we've probably never discussed this really. I can remember a couple times where like, I sat down at the mic and I was like, fuck, I'm, I'm a little nervous. I think one time once we had a guest and he had brought like all his people here, we, our house was like oh. packed. I had like 30, I had, like not 30, but I had like 15 <laughs> people in our house. Scott. 
No, you may know him, David Meltzer from San Diego. Oh, of course. David Meltzer shows up with an entire entourage, of course. So, like an yeah. entourage. They're in our house, whatnot. They're like we record out of our we have a nice place, but we record out of our we record out of our fucking house. Like, you know, that's yeah. like the long and short of it. Like that's the truth. And also the way the way that Meltzer like engages, it's not like his team is just sitting in the background like oh, hanging no. out. They're yeah. like I'm the head of the PR. I'm yeah. the head of booking. Like they're all coming up to you and you're bro, like, Oh my gosh, bro, it's like and, and he's wearing a microphone and everybody's shooting video. So like every word that's spoken is like cut up into so it's like it's like you had a conversation off to the side. You're like, so listen, let me ask you a question about this. And the next thing you know, it's on Instagram because you didn't even realize you were being recorded the, the entire time. I mean, Dave travels with an entire pack of people. A posse, yeah. bro. A posse. He was like two steps away from getting his makeup done, like on our on our <laughs> set. And I was like, Jesus, bro. Like this is not like we're like we're notorious for being like wicked casual you know in like in like a, in a fun sense like that's like mm-hmm. the other people on the network would be like oh yeah those guys are like super casual like and this was not that he wasn't because he was he was really chill but i remember like sitting down like all these people like someone's got a clipboard I was like fuck bro like i'm nervous in my own home <laughs> like it was it was <laughs> definitely a wild experience but what was like the level of nerves like the first time like you obviously go okay i want to be involved in this realm but then you actually have to go and do it so I was at a radio station in Miami called WQAM. I was, um, I was trying to get into sports radio. This is in the mid-90s. And uh, my best friend told me, he goes, you can't be on sports radio. And I said, why not? And he said, because you don't know shit about sports. And I said, yeah, I mean, I don't know like a lot of like detail, but, but I think I have this concept, you know, where mm-hmm. I can be entertaining and stuff and talk about sports stories, kind of a sterny style and uh, he's, you don't know shit about sports. So he looked at his brother and he goes, who's the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings? And his brother spit it out. And he said, who's the leading scorer of the Quebec Nordiques at the time? His brother spit it out. I'm like, he's like, name a player on the team. I'm like, I can't name any players. I can't name it. <laughs> so so I didn't really um, feel like I had this, this like I was this sports expert that you could call me and I can talk to you about anything. So the first time I'm, I finally talked my way into a radio station and they're, they're going to let me do sports updates. And... This is during when sports radio stations weren't 24 hours a day sports. There were no networks. There was there was a morning show, then Rush Limbaugh, and then back to local program. Rush Limbaugh. Can you imagine a sports station now having Rush Limbaugh on it? Jesus. So, so, so here I am. I'm getting ready to go on to do my first sports update. And I can look over across the glass, and the producer gives me a sign, like, go. And I'm just supposed to, you know, like, read something, like, paper that I had pulled off of a wire. Like, there was no internet, dude. There was no emailing anybody. We had reel-to-reel tapes. We would cut them with, with, um, with razor blades and tape them together. And then we'd feed them to other radio. I mean, it was stupid what we were doing back then compared to technology now. But I'm sitting there. And it's Rush Limbaugh, and I and they come to me for a sports update. You know, the the Dolphins did this, and the Miami Heat did that, and I am stumbling and fumbling all over my words. And it's like Alonzo Mourning caught a touchdown pass from Dan Marino. I mean, I am a freaking nightmare disaster. And I I remember I I, I shut off the mic. I stumbled all over myself. I threw my headphones down. I threw pens and paper. I was so angry that I had just pissed my pants on the air. And um, I thought, well, that's it. I mean, you get one chance and you're done. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, I, I found out, hey, calm down, dude. Calm down. We'll give you another shot in 30 minutes. Let's see if you can get this thing figured out. And, uh, and, and that was, it was not a pleasant entree. Uh, my first time actually cracking the mic. I remember, dude, I, it, you know, we, it's so funny. We're talking about this. That same feeling being a 17-year-old kid and going onto the field in a, in a high school football game was the exact same feeling I felt when I was a 24-year-old young guy cracking the mic for the first time. It was uh, it was very nerve-wracking. I, I think a lot of people forget that, like, if you're doing radio somewhere, you could get plucked and put into another city where you don't know anything about the team or even the sport that you're about to cover, and then all of a sudden you have to talk about it. It's like it's not as easy as everyone thinks it is. No, no way, man. It, we had some of the aspects of you know being live where there's probably even a lot more nerves as opposed to a podcast where it's like, oh, shit, I probably shouldn't have said that. Let's go back and re-edit that. But on live radio, it's like once you said it, it's out there on the airwaves. Yeah, yeah. and once you say stupid things, and I've caught myself, unfortunately, too many times, I've said things that have gotten me in trouble that, you know, you're, you're, you're look, when you're on live radio, dude, 
you are dancing naked for everybody to watch okay you are the person that every if anybody's in their car listening or listening on their phone whatever they expect you to entertain them yeah you know? so you're you're tap dancing up on stage and sometimes you say some really stupid shit and it's live radio and man it can get you into some big trouble i mean i've gotten fired two times for things that happened at 602 in the morning when really nobody was even up or listening but right. you said something you were trying to be funny you know you thought it was benign and the next thing you know you're out on your ass and and with radio it's not like oh like you're watching tv and you're like oh shit where did i put the remote i need to change the channel it's you reach right in front of it you twist the knob onto the net yeah yeah, yeah. i mean podcasts we mess up and go and we don't mess up that often it's, it's, it's pretty rare but if we go all right, that sounded like shit. Let's run it back. We can just delete and go onto our software. There's like, I mean, dancing naked is like such a great way to put it. And like, and if you don't have a big cock, you better be funny or dance good. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> right. It's so true. It, it, it's so true. And that's exactly the, the the point here is that when you're the white Jewish guy and you don't have a big cock. By the way, it works. I got four kids. Okay, but, but you're like, you're like, they're laughing at me. They are, they are laughing at me. Yeah, that's so funny, man. Oh, man. All right. Guys, speaking of big cocks, have you guys shared with the whole world the giant dude, Wood, who's who's sitting on the edge of the bed with his oh, giant yeah, cock? Yeah, yeah, dude, yeah. is that like, like I just got a T-shirt, like uh, stay at home champion. Yeah. That's ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm going to rock it. I sent it to, what did I do? I sent it to. Did you your grandma? No, no, I didn't. No, no, no. I wouldn't. I didn't, go, I didn't go that far. I sent it to my parents. I was like, guys, the terrible. I think Toss might have sent it to a relative, right? I was. I uh, sent it to my. I sent it. I I unknowingly sent it to my girlfriend, which was pretty funny. <laughs> I sent it to my. How'd she like it? <laughs> she she hasn't texted I, I, him back I, I, since. <laughs> no, I backpedaled real quick. I was like, don't look at that. Don't look at that link. Look. Yeah, I <laughs> sent. I don't know. She actually did. I sent it to my mom on purpose. I did that on purpose. That's I was like, Mom, you cannot believe the congestion going on in Los Angeles in this time. People driving around. It's insane. She goes, oh. That guy, I swear, is the mascot for all of COVID-19. Yeah. Rest in peace. Yeah, he's him. It's so sad. Him, like, and then uh, the, the, the the Joe Exotic, he's in prison. The other guy, unfortunately, is dead. They see none of the Tiger King. They see none of the benefits. None of the benefits. Right. From their That's stuff. exactly right. You, you have this you have shown the world everything you got everybody would want a piece of that you know and yeah. now you're dead and you can't even enjoy the fame that should come with that sucks it's a shame man joe exotic, scott what's your take on nick cage being cast as joe exotic gosh nick cage man what was the last thing we've seen nick cage in you i know? don't know but i i recently rewatched national treasure and it is a national treasure that, that movie's amazing. ridiculous <laughs> it's amazingly terrible it, it makes up for the flop of ghost rider Ghost Rider was a butt. That was it. It was pretty much downhill after that. I think of Nick Cage like the last thing I can see Nicolas Cage in. Have you guys ever seen the movie Face Off with him and John Travolta? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like I haven't seen Nicolas Cage in ages. Wow. Nicolas Cage as Joe Exotic. I'd read about this, but man, I, isn't it funny? Just by the way, if if there was no COVID, yeah. do you guys think do you guys think Tiger King would be no what it is? No, it can't be. I think it'd be popular, but it would be popular. Not nearly the sensation that it is. Yeah. It's, it's, I will say the thing about the the Nick Cage casting is, it's kind of the perfect casting because if it flops, then no one blames you because it was Nick Cage. But if it's <laughs> if it's amazing, then like we're the geniuses that brought Nick Cage's career back. So yeah, it's it's a, it's a big it's a hit. It's a big hit or miss over there. I think I, everyone's pretty intrigued for the most part. They want to see how it plays out. Mm -hmm, totally. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't believe they're doing that. And speaking of intrigue, uh, we kick it back to sports and get some of your expertise because draft day was a couple weeks ago, and you you, you should have seen Nick moping on the couch after the sixth pick. Um, but I think he's he reveled up a little bit after they got Kenneth Murray, who we love. Um, we're Longhorn guys, right? And so we got to see Kenneth Murray play almost week in and week out, and he's just been do and live too, I believe, and he was dominant for OU. And so that was an excellent pick by the Chargers to delve into sports a little bit. Give me some insight in the Chargers. Where are we at with them? What are you feeling personally? Aside from the fact that they've abandoned San Diego, and we all hate them for that because that's a given, um, but it, this is a team that went from, you know, almost 
being able to upset the Patriots or people thought they were going to be able to upset the Patriots. Like Nick on that car ride was telling me from McDonald's to where we were watching the game that morning that they were going to beat us um, to top 10 tick, top ten pick again, right back to square one. What mm-hmm. team are we going to see? That we are going to see the top 10 pick team or are we going to see a contender next year? So I'll, I'll start off with you asked a, a really great question, which is how do you feel about all this? Today I went on Twitter and the new stadium that the Rams and the Chargers are moving into together, SoFi Stadium, right? They had a tweet of video, and they're showing you from the, the ground level of the stadium that, like, it's, call it 80% of the way done. They had these massive video boards that had this curvature to them, massive video boards. And on one side, it said L.A. Chargers, and on the other side, it said L.A. Rams. And back to how do I feel, I'm like, that sucks, How is it the Rams have spent $5 billion on their stadium? It was supposed to be a $2 billion, $2.5 billion stadium. They've spent $5 billion on the stadium to accommodate the Chargers. This is our stadium, the Rams. This is our city, Los Angeles. We were welcomed home, and the NFL is forcing us to split this. Like, if you're a big brother and you've got a little brother and and your mom and dad were going to get you something, you always had to like even it out. Yeah, little brother has to get it too. The Chargers yeah. are the little brother, and they've got to get their share too. And it really, really sickens me because you guys don't understand. I know Nick does, but I'm promising you, you're not going to believe this. You're going to think I'm full of it, but I'm telling you guys, I travel with the NFL eight weekends a year. San Diego in 2006, seven, eight, nine, ten, in that range. From Drew Brees to Philip Rivers, Marty Schottenheimer to Norv Turner, uh, Sean Merriman and and characters that were, you know, Darren Sproles, Vincent Jackson, Ladanian Tomlinson, obviously. Uh, These were great teams. That stadium was jam-packed with everybody wearing blue and gold. And I'm telling you, rocking like Seattle. I'm not exaggerating rocking i get goosebumps rocking Dude, that like place, Seattle. that place that's big comparison because people don't realize i mean the arrowhead thing has kind of you know not been blown out of proportion but been widely publicized people the, when i watch the seahawks games that shit looks nuts nuts it, like, it, have, you, you've been, have you been on a sideline there yeah it's my i do probably two seahawks three seahawks games a year really i love being in seattle but I'm telling you that San Diego Charger games were Seahawks-esque back then. So for the team to leave and go to L.A., and now, you know, here in San Diego, if you were holding on to Antonio Gates and you were holding on to Phillip Rivers, now that those guys are done, nothing else. there's nothing else. And, and, and yet, as the time has gone on, Charger fans who grew up with the Chargers, they're starting to come to this realization like, you know... I tried rooting for another team. It wasn't the same. I tried giving up on the NFL. I love football too much. I'm kind of back to being a Charger fan. And for me, I'll show you guys this. Um, I started the card-carrying members of the the Charger Hater Club. And so what I do is I give these cards to people when they come up to me and they ask me for them. I make them sign them, and then I make them put them in their wallet right there on the spot so that they are card-carrying members of the Charger Hater Club. I will never forgive Dean Spanos and his family for what they did to this city. 50 plus years of support when a team was one in 15 and garbage. Uh, People loved that team in this town. And I'm telling you guys, as a sports city, when you've got an NFL team and a major league baseball team, San Diego was always a football town first and they've pulled the heart and soul out of this town. So when they go draft this kid, Justin Herbert, I'm like, wow, I, I really hope this kid has a, a nice career like I would hope for anybody. But playing for those guys, I can't wait to watch what's going to happen because he'll either get hurt like everybody else does or he'll fail because they don't really have a great quarterback guru coach on their staff. And they certainly don't have a guy like a Phillip Rivers or a Drew Brees where you would learn from a veteran. Like, you know, Jameis Winston is going to get a lot out of backing up Drew Brees. I mean, I can tell you that right now. And even the Colts went and drafted a young guy out of Washington who's, Eason, you know, yeah. more, yeah, he's he talented, but not refined. He's going to learn a lot from Phillip Rivers. It's not like this kid, Justin Herbert, is going to go, wow, this is Tyrod Taylor. He's really a guy who I'm going to learn from. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the thing is, like, 
for me as a fan living here in LA, I think I have the luxury of, you know, rooting for them, but also having the luxury of being from San Diego and being able to laugh at them if they fail. You know, like it doesn't hurt as bad if they fail or something screws up. I'm just like, whatever, that's the typical charges, you know? Back in the day, it was a fierce kick in the nuts when Nick Kading misses a field goal against the Jets, and that was supposed to be the year we win it all. But now it's like you could just laugh at that and be like, yeah, whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah, that was the charge. I mean, this is an organization that I'm telling you guys, Marty Schottenheimer, and I know I'm kind of going old school, historical coaching figures Please. here, but but Marty Schottenheimer, I was sitting in a production meeting. You know, I was working at, for CBS at the time. I was doing the game on the sidelines of the game, and we got all this access. And Marty Schottenheimer is sitting in his office, tears running down his face. I swear to God, tears running down his face. I want to win a Super Bowl with this team for this town so that we can get a stadium built and this team stays here. And that's what Marty Schottenheimer was thinking way back in 2006, seven and eight, because the rumors and the speculation were already going on about the possibility of leaving for LA. Little did any of us really ultimately think that the Spanoses would have the courage to do something like this. We just all made the assumption it's gonna get worked out one way or the other. And uh, it, it really did not. And I'll tell you guys, the last thing is, you know, in December of 16, the Chargers were playing the Raiders in San Diego. And, um, you know, Mark Davis and Dean Spanos were kind of connected at the hip at this point because everybody had been talking about them trying to build one stadium together between the Raiders and the Chargers. Can you imagine division rivals in one stadium together? I don't together? understand how you do that. Terrible. So I remember um, we had had this vote in San Diego, and it was only the city. San Diego is a big county. It's a kind of a smaller city. Only the people in the city were able to vote, okay? And so um, the vote did not pass. It didn't have 50%. So I'm, I'm doing the broadcast of the game, and Dean Spanos walks up to me before the game, and he said, um, hey, I want to just thank you. He unsolicited. He shakes my hand. Hey, I want to thank you. I said, for what? He said, for helping push on the radio this, um, you know, this initiative. It's unfortunate we didn't get it. And, you know, hey, if we would have gotten 50% of the vote, we probably would have stayed and fought. And I went, whoa, 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 hold on. You're speaking in the past tense, would have. Have you made up your mind that you're leaving to go to L.A.? And he said to me in that moment, he said, well, now we're leaning towards moving to L.A. So I take my microphone and I call the, you know, the truck and I go, oh, my God, you're not going to believe this. Dean Spanos just told me that the Chargers are now leaning towards moving to L.A. And these guys are like, you know, instead of just saying, go for it, awesome. They're like pussies. They like have to call New York and they're like, hey, Kaplan's got this report about Dean Spanos saying that he's leaning. So they like, go for it. So I, I do the report. They kick off the game. I go, hey, I just spoke to Dean Spanos. He's telling me that they're now leaning towards LA. Boom, wildfire through the media. And that was the beginning of Dean Spanos, who very much gave me a gift and at the same time set me up. He, it was, I'm giving this nugget to you, but I'm preparing everybody now. We're out of here. You know, and it was, it, it, I'm telling you guys, devastation. Pull your heart right out of your chest. Not just move move to LA you move to Las Vegas people might have been like okay I'm down the trip for that right if you would have moved to LA and said they're the San Diego Chargers of LA like they were the LA Angels of Anaheim I don't know maybe that would have softened the blow but to to pull the team out and move them to LA I'm telling you there is still a tremendous amount of bitterness in this town towards that family I mean but I think they, a lot of people didn't really understand it from my perspective because like I was a kid in college at the University of Texas at the time of this all going down. And people are like, well, you live in Austin. Like, what does it matter to you what city they're in? They're still the Chargers. But I'm like, no, man, you don't understand. Like, I was born in San Diego. I became a Chargers fan completely on my own. My dad was a Raiders fan growing up. So I pretty much adopted the Chargers on my own. My family wasn't huge sports fans besides my dad. I would be watching Chargers games by myself in my room in like 2004, you know, Nick. in a full Chargers jersey, nine years old, cheering on LaDainian Tomlinson. Like, that's that's San Diego. That's what I had left of San Diego. I'm like, now nah, the Padres, obviously, I'm a diehard Padres fan, but like it just means so much to like have that as your identity from San Diego. It's like it's not the same living in Los Angeles rooting for the Chargers. Yeah, and you know, guys, what what, you, what Nick is talking about, just a little bit more of the of the history is that you know when I was probably now this is now call it 2005, six, seven, the Chargers just starting to get good. Well, we're kind of riding the wave on the radio. And one day we said, hey, you know what would be kind of fun? What if we put together a live show on a Friday morning? We invited people to come down. They said, okay, great. 
So we had the Hard Rock Cafe at the time in downtown San Diego, and we set up a, a live broadcast to go on the air at 6 o'clock in the morning, expecting there to be two or three hardcore listeners stop by. We go on the air at 6 o'clock, and I say to my partner, Billy Ray, I go, Billy Ray, gosh, I, I kind of was hoping that a few people would be down here. And Billy Ray looks at the crowd, and he goes, hey, you guys ready to have some fun? And the whole crowd, I'm talking like 500 people. We had no idea. Boom, explosion, band, uh, crowd going crazy, bits and stunts, charger players and, and, and the staff, uh, you know, coaches and GMs, what? everybody's coming into the show. And, dude, it turned into, I promise you, for the next two to three years, we would have these parties at 6 o'clock in the morning. We'd have 1,000 people wrapped up around a city block to get into the House of Blues for a half-rock concert half radio show with all the charger players coming and being a part of it it's all on youtube by the way you can see all this stuff oh, hell yeah and when, the chargers, when the chargers were playing tom brady and the patriots we thought the patriots are toast this is the new dynasty of the nfl and they always found a way to break our hearts you know but even so we were still just all about that football team and them leaving and going to la it, it crushed us dude yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean as dean spanos a fellow greek you know, the Greek community is very tight-knit, but that's probably the most shameful thing any Greek I know has ever done. For sure. For sure. For sure. You know, since, my friend, since Brutus. My, my, my friend Spiro Didis. You guys know who he is, the, the NFL announcer? Yeah. So so Spiro is lives in L.A. and does Charger preseason games because there's the whole Greek brotherhood right there, and they're like, hey, that's our guy. He'll say good things about us. And Spiro knows how I feel. He knows my venom towards the towards the Spanoses. But you know, he's like, "Hey, those are my Greek brothers," you know, and and uh, and they hire me to do these preseason games. So you know, you got your opinion, which is mine, which I have this, this burning hatred for those guys, and he has he has this love for them, that, that Greek brother love. Well, no, I still share your sentiment. <laughs> Toss, no loyalty for the Greeks in this moment. Let's get <laughs> let, let's get some positivity, and then um, and then we'll ask our, our most famous question. Uh, the Padres that Nick's repping right now. Can we give some love to them? Are we feeling good about them in that case? Because there's the middle of that infield is, is solid. Yeah, or that or the left side of that infield is fantastic to say the least. Can everyone stay healthy though? Can we put it all together? Is this a team that could contend this year potentially? Whatever season we get, or in 21, 22 by twenty three, is this a threat? So um, Padre fans are a uh, are a very uh, sensitive group of people because they want to see them on Twitter. They're crazy. Yeah. They want, they want we know they, Padres fans are sensitive. Really just from, just like the one, they, just from the one we've experienced. Yeah. Is Padres <laughs> Twitter come after you guys. No, no <laughs> I'm just talking about Nick. Nick is just being sensitive. <laughs> so, so Padre fans are a very sensitive group because they want a winner so badly and to have the chargers leave and only have one team left in town all the focus is on the padres and you know the padres are a team that organizationally has never been a big spender so when they went out and spent 30 million dollars a year on manny machado you're like wow that's amazing they went and got a superstar and then what happens to manny machado he comes to the padres and he gets he gets brought into the 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 culture of the Padres, if you will. And you know what the culture of the Padres is? Losing. Um, and, and not really pressing anybody um, to win. The Yankees have pressure. The Red Sox have pressure. The Dodgers have pressure. The Cubs have pressure. I mean, these are cities where there's pressure to win. San Diego, there's like two reporters in there kissing the players' asses going, um, okay, well, and if they write anything, anything that is not pro-Padre, the Padre organization will shut these dudes down. So the media is so afraid of the organization that they just suck up and kiss their asses. Um, yes, they have a star in Fernando Tatis. Yes, they have an established star in Manny Machado. And yeah, they've got some up and coming pitching and we always hear about the great minor league system. I don't wanna hear about a minor league system. I wanna hear about winning at the major league level. I don't wanna hear about how great the Charger uniforms are. I wanna hear about winning a Super Bowl. Um, the Padres are an organization that is in the entertainment business. They're not in the championship winning business. So you guys come to Petco Park, and Nick, I don't know if you brought the, the crew down, but Petco Park, I promise you guys, they're not a baseball park like it in America. It's beautiful. The weather's awesome. The craft beer's great. The tequila, the food. I mean, hot chicks show up because it's an event. But I'm telling you, 
that this franchise has yet to prove. Yeah, has yet <laughs> to prove. I mean, going to a game is great, but 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 don't go there like thinking that if they lose, that's the bummer because the fun is just being there. The winning and the losing is not the priority to the organization, and uh, and I find that to be too bad. Unfortunately, you know, I winning should be paramount. You know, David Ortiz recently came out with something saying that he wished May Machado didn't go to the Padres. And I, I read into it. It was completely in Spanish, but I like I translated it, looked up what, what it was about. And he was saying there's no pressure, exactly what you just said. There's no pressure at all for Manny to produce because if he's in Baltimore, he's in the AL East. He's still getting slandered, and people are, you know, ripping him for, you know, striking out three oh, times. Yeah, pl- Camden Yard's not easy. Pressure. There's constant pressure going on for those guys in, in different teams around the United States. And in San Diego, they're just happy that you showed up. They're happy that you're there. They're happy that you're the big name that kind of represents all of San Diego. Like you said, it's an entertainment, but there needs to be a big culture change within that organization where it's all about winning. Yeah. What do you guys think? I mean, I think it's something that's probably possible. Like, I don't look at the Kansas City Royals and, and look at them and be like, that's a franchise, a baseball franchise that was competing and super concerned with winning all the time, at least in the division, at least growing up for us. I mean, the Royals sucked when we were first, Terrible. when we were young kids. But before that, they were pretty decent. Like when they had George Brett, they were good. Yeah, like when I was a kid. Yeah, when the the Royals were battling against the Yankees, when there wasn't so much disparity in baseball between the guys who have the big money contracts with their local TV and Kansas City and San Diego, where they can't compete with New York and LA. I mean, do you think it's? It's not a lost cause, though, right? I mean, like. No, I think you bring up a great point with the Royals. I think you bring up a great point. I think the Royals, fortunately for them, they did it wrong for so many years. They eventually got it right. And there was a great window of opportunity for the Royals where the Twins were eh, and the Tigers were on the down. Indians hadn't hit the come up yet. And the White Sox were in, had gone to where the Royals had gone into the shit stain of the AL Central. And so they saw a great window of opportunity and had done it right. Now for the Padres to do that, they're, they have to rise, I feel, and you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, San Diego dudes, um, to get where you're going with this toss. Because I think the Royals is a great comparison. They did, they ended up doing it the right way. But for the Padres to do that, they have to meet the call of the Dodgers. And listen, the Dimebacks still go out and spend money. The Rockies are kind of middling because no one wants to pitch there, and that's just unfortunate for them. And the thing with the Giants is, listen, the Giants could suck all they want, but the Giants went on the most under— No one talks about the run the Giants went on. It's ridiculous. Right. Right. It's ridiculous. I mean, three World Series in six years. It's crazy. It's, it's, it's insanity. <laughs> yeah, right. With 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 San Diego's manager who was kicked out of town with Bruce Bochy. Yeah. You know, it, it, it's. I don't think it's a lost cause. I just say this. You know, the Dodgers are loaded, and and the Giants. You know, to your point, they they had this phenomenal run. Um, the Padres are just. They have just been the last place team of the division for so long. And, yeah. you know, when you think and about they Machado. They like, too, but it hasn't you, worked. Think about, but think about this. If you spend $30 million on a superstar player, yeah, how many wins does he bring? You know? And in the case of Manny Machado, there's an, uh, there's an answer. The answer was six. They, they improved by six wins, and it cost them $30 million. $5 million per win. That's, that's what they invested in Manny Machado. So, you know, when you ask if it's a lost cause – you, you take a look, you talk about Kansas City Royals. Eric Hosmer, a former Kansas City Royals, very popular, nice role player amongst a bunch of good players in Kansas City. Bring him to San Diego, tell everybody he's the clubhouse leader, and he's kind of a mid-range guy. He's good, but he's not great. And now what you've done is you've invested a ton of money in a guy like that, and previous to that, they invested a lot of money in Will Myers, who they thought was going to be a star player. And all he did was have one good first half of a season, which put him into the home run derby because it was in San Diego during the all-star festivities. So now you've got Hosmer and Myers, who are essentially the same kind of player because Myers isn't really an outfielder. And, you know, Hosmer's an, he's a good first baseman, but he's not a great hitter. He's okay. And, yeah. and Myers, Myers is, is sort of inconsistent. So you've got two guys at $50 million. Like not fifty, maybe like forty million. But you've yeah. got two guys at forty million, and if you had gotten rid of those two salaries and you had another superstar player, maybe you'd be better. And they got a lot of wasted money in guys who haven't performed. Yeah, it yeah. sucks. They try to you all have tried to ship Will Myers to our team, and I, we've been no, we've been thank God I've been putting the axe on that for so long. The Red, if I hear one more Will Myers to Red Sox, I'm going to put my head through a wall. Uh, yeah. Kind of tosses a question real quick about like Kansas City. I feel that like San Diego itself, like 
yes, the the true San Diegans are big sports fans and they love their Padres, they love their Chargers. But I think that San Diego is a city. There's so many people who are not from San Diego that end up moving to San Diego who don't give a shit about these teams, you know. And that's ultimately kind of what happened with the vote. It's like I don't give a shit about the Chargers, you know. Like I've I've you know I'm a fan of another team, or I don't care that much about sports. I just live in San Diego because it's a wonderful city, you know. It's deemed the, the America's finest city. But do they really care that much about sports? Yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the issue. Point. Pressure that goes on with the San Diego Padres, where it's like, you know, they can get by just being okay because, like, they're still in the best city and, like, the fans are still going to come out to the games because, like, it's an environment and it's a good time. Yeah. I mean, it's a good, I mean, we all, like we said, we all went to UT and it's like going to a game at DKR is amazing. It's an incredible experience. But, as a fan who grew up an LSU Tiger fan, is it anything like going to Baton Rouge and watching a game there? No, and it never will be. That's all that city has. And Austin, the live music capital of the world, has got so many other things. And I feel like Nick, exactly to your point. Beer, barbecue, and babes, and tacos. BBBT, <laughs> baby. That's what like that's what beach, Austin. The beach is right there. That's what it's Austin right does, there. man. The beach is right there. Yeah. The yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to go down to San Diego and check it out, and we'll hopefully all catch a game together when when this thing ends, which would be great. Yeah, what do you guys think? I mean, you, I personally cannot see baseball not coming back this year. They've got to find a way. Uh, yeah. I have I have some kind of insider. I have small insider take that it's coming back on July 1st or July 10th. Oh, really? July 1st, July Shorten 10th. Small. small. Not shortened season? Shortened season, yeah. And we're getting full NFL season? No questions asked? That I don't I, have an inside take on, but that's I, I'd like I, to think I, that. I got to tell you guys, there's nothing that slows the NFL. I mean, just nothing, yeah. right? I mean, all this COVID stuff, they found a way to jet right up to the top of the headlines, whether it was Tom Brady, you know, moving down to Tampa, Rob Gronkowski eventually joining him. Uh, the NFL draft held virtually. Crushed uh, it. It was amazing. So awesome. I thought it was so cool to see people in their homes yeah. with their children. You know, usually every year is like, war room. Ooh, this is serious. This is life and death. War room. And then this year it was like, hey, that's kind of cute. He's got his daughter over there. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, you know, I liked it better this year. Josh particularly liked the Vrabel family. Yeah, I love that shit. That I was... did not know that those were his sons, and I was sending out some tweets like, who the hell are the two creepers behind Mike Vrabel? It was <laughs> awesome. I Dude, I thought it was like some kind of a team promotion. They're like, yeah, you get to win and be with the coach and dress up like a superhero and, you know, rock your mullet. And I was like, who are those two dudes? And those are his <laughs> sons. I didn't know that. Yeah, it oh, was. Yeah. It's it's a, it was epic, epic, totally epic. <laughs> I <laughs> love that. You're right well, about yeah. the whole aspect of you know the NFL is not getting slowed down. This will probably be one of the biggest you know times to watch uh, hard knocks with the Rams and the Chargers doing it together. Like they're gonna have such great ratings when when all this comes back. I mean, this is the perfect timing to, to start something like that for the Chargers and for the Rams, you know, especially moving into a new, a new stadium. I know, and, and moving into a new stadium where there may not be any fans in that stadium for the first year. You know, I mean, it, it's almost like the pressure's off. Like, all we really need to do is make sure the field is good and the locker rooms work. But, you know, as far as the stands and the concessions and all the other stuff, you know, the, the mayor of L.A. and the governor of California, as you guys well know, I mean, they're saying forget it. There's not going to be any events with big crowds. So you can forget 70,000 in this brand new stadium. And so, um, you know, for the Chargers, you know, they already know what it's like to play in front of an empty building. Right. Or, you know, for the Rams, they're coming from the Coliseum where there were 75,000 people in that stadium. So I, I think the NFL comes back. I certainly think Major League Baseball comes back. And um, I just think there's too much money on the line. I, I, yeah, I agree. I mean, you can't really, with all the money on the line, the NFL owns God's day, right? So there's no way they don't capitalize that or or, or, or fold. In some, they'll they'll get it going in some capacity. No, no question about it. And 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 and, and I, I would say this: if you told me I could go to a Drew Brees, New Orleans Saints versus Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, and there's seventy thousand people in the Superdome. Mask, no mask, mask, gloves, no gloves. I don't give a shit. I'll go. Yeah, oh, I'll, wow. I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in 110. percent That's that's a no brainer to me. That division, man, it's got the best quarterbacks in, in the game right now. Totally, totally. I mean, you're talking with with Brady, and it's like with Brady, it's like yeah, he didn't, have, he doesn't have anything to prove, right? He's he's the goat already. But if he does it in Tampa Bay, 
Oh, he dude. does it. He is that's just ridiculous. Greatest player at their sport ever. Is he not? Like, yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I think it's I think it's a no brainer if he accomplishes that. I think it's even if he makes it into the somewhat if he makes the playoffs, it's still an accomplishment. If he makes it deep into the playoffs, it's still an accomplishment. Let alone win all of that. I know if you're Drew Brees, you're thinking to yourself, man, I've been trying to get back to the Super Bowl in the last three years. I've been right on the verge and something strange has happened each year. And I've had home playoff games that I'm supposed to win. And now I got freaking Tom Brady in my division. I mean, Drew Brees has not caught a break here in the last uh, last few years. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm a huge Drew Brees fan. You can see him. He's over my shoulder. I'm a huge Drew Brees fan. I, I have a big man crush on Drew Brees. He's an Austin kid, just like me, too. Totally. We love Brees. Is, I mean, my buddy's a Saints fan. He's like the most wholesome guy in the NFL. You can't, like, if I'm not rooting for the Patriots, I'm rooting for the Saints. And you can't, you need, I need that guy to get one more at this point. Like, I know the Patriots aren't going to win it this year. I need that guy to get one more. Yeah, He's just I such know, a leader. He's like, and you know what? Like, I, I'm, I'm always like, everyone's like, oh, Jordan Love's going to learn for Rodgers. But Rodgers has to fucking teach him like or he has to like really take some serious notes breeze is like the only guy i feel that would be like okay i'll, I'll teach Jameis winston i'll go out of my way to help Jameis winston revitalize his career he's like that good of a mentor and that good of a guru because he's understand that he's done his time here in the nfl and he can really help shape somebody else that needs his help he's one of the only yeah, dudes that he, can do that he has no uh he has nothing to worry about in terms of looking over his shoulder mm -hmm. you know and aaron Rodgers feels very uh insecure right now uh, about his relationship with the Packer organization, he's always so that, you know. he's always feeling insecure. It seems he's just a little. He's just a little. He's not. It's, I don't know. I don't know. There's just when there's smoke, there's fire, in my opinion. Um, but some lightness to, to to close us out, Scott. We ask all of our guests this, and I'm sure you have a great one uh, in the bag. Uh, what is your favorite sports memory? It could be from you playing. It could be from you reporting or anything. Oh man. Okay. Um, Something that comes to mind right away is, um, and it, it's maybe it's at the top of my mind, but um, I got to think of what year it was. But the New Orleans Saints are playing the 49ers in Candlestick Park, not in the new Levi's Stadium. I'm talking old school Candlestick where Joe Montana had played and where all that San Francisco 49er history was. And even though it was a dumpy stadium and it was kind of configured for baseball, mm -hmm. there was something about that place, Candlestick Park, you know? So the, the Saints are playing the 49ers. Breeze is on one side. Alex Smith is on the other side. So this is pre-Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. And this is when Alex Smith is going from, you know, he's a guy who – he was a number one overall pick, but it's year after year after year. They're changing coaches. Terrible. And he can't get any consistency, but but he's still willing um, this team to victory. You know, he's 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 a good athlete, really good athlete. He's a good leader. Players on the team like him. He's he's with his will. He's a part of the 49ers. You know, being in this position, so they've got a home playoff game, and uh, and so. Breeze and the 49ers, or Breeze and the, and the Saints make this comeback. And I, Darren Sproles, I believe, you know, scores this touchdown. And it looks like the Saints are about to win the game. And then Alex Smith has this bootleg where he rolls out to his left and he runs down the sideline and he scores. And the next thing you know, as I recall, and, you know, we're going to overtime is the way I recall the game. Yeah, I remember that. And, and then what happens is Smith throws a touchdown pass to uh to vernon davis remember the tight end vernon davis he was totally. out of maryland he was a yeah, first round man. pick six and, overall and a, i got you bro it, it was a terrell owens moment remember when to caught that touchdown from steve young and yeah. he stood up and he was hysterical crying because he'd had a terrible game and he made this huge play vernon davis same situation um he scored this game-winning touchdown and as soon as the game was over i'm like right on top of him to interview him and he had that like emotional like I could hear the crowd. I could feel the energy. Jesus, He's man. hysterical. Everybody was like packed around me as I'm interviewing him uh, on live radio. And I just, I love moments like those. You know, I will say this. When you're on the sideline of an NFL football game reporting for radio, it's so much better than TV because when Kevin Harlan says, let's go down to Scott, there's no time restriction. It's not like TV, 10 seconds, hurry up. It's a conversation that's being weaved throughout the game. And uh, when you work with pros like that, you wind up getting games that can become legendary. 
And, uh, and those moments in those crowds, in those stadiums, whether it's interviewing Russell Wilson right after a game, mm-hmm. or, or I, I mentioned Kevin Harlan. You remember, guys, a few years ago, it was in San Francisco. This is in Levi Stadium. The kid comes running out on the field, and Harlan's going crazy in the booth. That guy is drunk. Somebody stop that man. You know, I'm down on the sidelines running with the dude. Like, on the side. T- what's going on? I'm going, oh, he's at the 20. He's at the 10. You know, and, and Kurt Warner's trying to get into the conversation. And it was, uh, I, I just, I love being on the sidelines of NFL football games. There's an energy that you just cannot duplicate. It gets back to the beginning of this conversation about being an adrenaline junkie. Yeah, man. That's odd. That's a great memory. That just to be around a player, like you at your pinnacle of like, you know, wanting to do what you want to do when he just completed something and just the raw emotion and the adrenaline of the situation. Be able to like your just sensory overload in a sense of hearing the crowd and feeling everyone around you is that's a good one, man. That's it's an awesome. And, yeah, I knew, I knew you'd have one. Just did a E60 on Alex Smith. Uh, yeah, I had to watch it. I had to watch it this week. A week ago, and, and that exact same play that you were talking about, that bootleg was was in there. Really? I haven't seen that yet. I haven't seen it, and I really am dying to see it. And you know, it's funny for all the talk that we're having about should baseball come back, should will football come back? You know, all this kind of stuff. I don't know about you guys. I'm loving all the historical things about sports that are being televised, that are being fed to me. It's kind of like the whole Michael Jordan documentary. You know. I don't remember a lot of that stuff from 23 years ago, or maybe I didn't even know that stuff 23 mm-hmm. years ago. But yeah. to watch it and learn it now, it's just incredible. Yeah, and especially for people who are our age, I feel like, you know, we've come to know Michael Jordan just kind of through stories and through highlights. To kind of see this through this documentary, we kind of have a newfound respect for MJ because, like, I don't know about, you know, I know about Toss, but Josh, you know, we're both Team LeBron before all of this started, and I've kind of, like flipped, flipped the script and now I'm, now I'm uh, team MJ. Cause like, I didn't really know like what kind of a guy he really was when it, when it came to playing games and how he was able to take over like that. Like, it's just, it's not something that I was able to know if I had lived it. Yeah. It's to me, it's Peyton to Brady as LeBron is to MJ. Just like the skill, the talent, the level of like, like pure quarterback. Like I always think Peyton Manning's the best, like pure throw, like quarterback player, but like the best player ever is Tom Brady. In my opinion, it's the way I feel yeah, about like. How can you make that? Wait, please finish the the parallel. Like, tell me who's who. Because uh, LeBron, Jordan, LeBron is Peyton, and Michael Jordan's M. Uh, my MJ is Tom Brady. Okay. Okay. <laughs> You're like, wait a second. I I'll want to make the... sure I'm clear on that because yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if I like no, that. I mean, I'll just. I'll just take. I mean, I'll take the winner. But yeah, I mean, sure. no, I think I, I think I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think just skill wise, I mean, there's just a lot that LeBron does. You know, he's physically. He, I I still dis I still disagree, but I get your analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome, man, Scott. They, thank you for such a great show, man. Uh, we'll kick it over to you for sure for your own usage. Um, you can go to Sided.co. We love it. We use it all the time now. We're we've integrated it a part of our lives. You guys got to go integrate it as a part of yours. It's great for us sports fans to go in and talk to each other and, like you said at the top, build a community. It's the most and first and foremost thing I think we've learned in this whole thing is to stick together. And I think Sided does a great job with that. With sports fans, where else can they find you, Scott? Well, thanks for that. And I just want to say one thing, you know, um, guys, we talked earlier about taking a risk, right? And we, we talked about you guys are like in your mid twenties. I'm I'm 50. Okay. I'm 50. And, and even right now in life, I'm taking a big risk with this company cited.co. The best news is, is that we're about to become a mobile app. You know, it was great when we were just trying to build a proof of concept to, to prove to investors that this is a worthwhile investment and we've gotten there. And it's because of friends like you guys that are helping promote it. It's, it's because of my audience using it. And um, so we're about to go from website to mobile app. And I don't know how you guys feel about this. I'll just ask you real quick before we go. Um, to me, an app is a game changer. People expect to have an app on their phone. They don't expect to go to a web browser. They don't expect to use a funky named website. They don't expect to have to log in to take actions. I mean, just download the app and let me play with it. And I think that when we, when our app is in the app store, which is coming within the next week or two, I think it's a game changer. What, what totally is your opinion? Of that? Agreed. I mean, I couldn't agree. I think that yeah. you, what you brought up, what you brought up earlier, you said, if you guys are even on Facebook anymore, it's yeah. exactly to your point. It's because apps like Instagram and Twitter and even TikTok now, so easy and the user interface on those apps is so friendly 
for people our age. They once cited comes onto an app, it's going to be so easy for people to use it. Absolutely. App is I the can't move, wait to get man. it out there. I work. So I can't wait to. I I can't wait to like it, once I have all this on my phone between the stuff we do on Instagram and being able to transfer it to Cited and utilize that for you guys and us, it's just all one stop shop. Like I'm on my phone a ridiculous amount, unfortunately, and that's just going to be way. <laughs> it's going to be way easier. So yes, yes, a thousand times yes, as every girl marrying the man of their dreams says when he gets down on one <laughs> knee. <laughs> um, but what Twitter handle and anything yeah. else we could find you on, Scott? My Twitter handle is super easy. It's at Scott Kaplan, K-A-P-L-A-N, at Scott Kaplan. My Instagram is at Scott Kaplan, and, uh, and you can pretty much find me there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Twitter. Yes, I'm still on Facebook because people my age are still on Facebook. Yeah, they are, buddy. Um, you may not dude, look dude. it, but you are it. <laughs> yeah, dude, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to get this TikTok thing down now. My daughters are trying to teach me this dance. Something about classy, bougie, something. Nick will give you a tutorial off air. He's got you. I, <laughs> yeah. He's got yeah. you, man. <laughs> I got to get my TikTok game together. So. Yeah. Scott, man, thank you so, so much, brother. I uh, can't wait to do this more, honestly. Yeah, gentlemen, thank you. An absolute pleasure. Congratulations on everything you guys are doing. This Likewise, awesome. man. Thank you. Congrats on side of becoming an app. That's great news. Thank you. Thank you very much, fellas. Appreciate all you guys. All right. Take care, brother. What a fun time had by all. It's great for Nick to talk about San Diego sports, or lack thereof, I guess. And for us to, you know, it's always a good show when we mention a Jewish cock, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Toss is Toss isn't Jewish. He doesn't understand. Uh, but the yeah. Thank God. I'm, just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Toss. I'm Whoa. Kidding. True kidding. colors. Kidding. True colors coming out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But any Hoosers, we love Scott. Scott's a great guy. Seriously, go check out Sided.co. It's an awesome site. Um, you'll hear more of him on the show in the future, especially when football comes around. Um, but we are also brought to you by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag. You can bet on anything there is to bet on right now. Future are great uh, online casinos awesome just don't go to the blackjack table play against real people use the promo code mypod 100 and they'll match your deposit with free play money yep mypod 100 betonline.ag yeah i finally got it bet right. win get paid yeah bet win get paid i finally got it right i was last week i kind of threw in the towel but this week i committed to to it and use the code. Go there. You sent you uh you L A Chargers did. Yeah, L A Chargers. I just flaked on the. I flaked in the promo. I knew the promo. I just didn't know what it did. And when the push came to shove, and I just won it. I said it did something profitable, yeah. which is not a lie. It was just a little vague. Yeah, but either way, you were you were plugging bet online. Yeah, so I kind of did the job. It's a great site to put bets in. So yeah, for sure. I have money. I have all my money that I won at the draft is in there still. There you go. For the KC you put it Chiefs. on KC Chiefs to win the the Super Bowl. I did, I did, and hopefully they come. That comes to fruition. It's a pretty good bet. Yeah, he's gonna do it again. Um, but anywho, it won't be the Chargers. Anywho, guys, Scott was great. It's the fans out there. Drag both feet inbound, swing on a full count, rip that puck, hit that putt, hit your PKs because they're free, and hit your free throws. Why? Because they're free. Because they are free. We are out. You. We love you so damn much. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube